0: How's it going you guys? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of the birth lounge podcast. I'm so excited that you decided to tune in and hang out with me today. You guys, today we're going to be diving into nutrition in postpartum. Now, a lot of times in pregnancy, We see people shift their nutrition or completely change their diets or sometimes you have things like preeclampsia or gestational diabetes that actually require you to change your diet or alter your diet a little bit. But what happens when you get postpartum, when your baby's on the outside and we no longer are focused on the parent, now all of the focus is on the baby. Also, where does your nutrition and diet fall in your limited hours of each day now that your baby is on the outside? Anyone who has ever had a baby before or even been around anybody who has had a baby before, you know that it's quite impossible to get a lot of things done in those first few weeks after birth. Any postpartum parent will tell you that you go hours without eating or drinking and you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, it's been four hours since I have had a sip of water. Oh my gosh, it's 1.30 in the afternoon and I've been up since five and I've not eaten a single thing. Nutrition has a lot of focus in pregnancy, yet after baby, we see that focus wane completely. Well today I am going to be joined by my friend Marissa McCormick. Marissa is a mom of two, a wife and a registered dietitian and she's balancing a full-time career and motherhood while striving to stay healthy and happy. She empowers women with realistic nutrition education to confidently navigate pregnancy and postpartum. She and I were chatting and she shared that even as a registered dietitian, she struggled with the first few years of knowing when to eat, what to eat, how to properly eat for breast milk supply and to heal her body. She had questions around introducing solids to her baby or even transitioning to a toddler diet. And then somehow she was expected to fit in her own nutrition. She jokes that she basically lived off of pizza and ice cream that first year, and I know that she is not alone in that. Now, it wasn't until her poor nutrition choices and frenetic new life took a toll on her health, and she became chronically weak, tired, and was constantly getting sick. During this new season and new feels, she decided to make her health and nutrition a priority. She began to research anything and everything that she could find about nutrition and wellness for herself and her baby, and she quickly realized that it did not need to be complicated and it didn't need to be perfect. Now Marissa serves new moms with simple tools, healthy tips, and meaningful connections that nourish and inspire the journey of motherhood. I'm... So stoked to have my friend Marissa on here to talk to you guys. But before I introduce her, I want to remind you that everything in this podcast is only for educational and entertainment purposes. She is a registered dietitian, but she is not your registered dietitian, and I am not a medical provider at all. So make sure that if you have questions about your nutrition or your diet, that you're talking to your healthcare provider or you seek out one-to-one private services with Marissa. All right, without any further ado,
1: Marissa, my dear, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so
0: excited to have you. I know that we have a very large community of TTC trying to conceive uh, folks in our village. The problem is, they don't get enough love for me. I don't give our TTC people, village, community enough attention. And that's something I'm really working on. And so today's episode, I think, is going to be a fan favorite because this is something that I get asked about on a weekly basis, no lie Sometime throughout every single week, there is an email, an Instagram DM, a Facebook message, or a comment on one of our social media posts about where do I start if I am thinking about trying to conceive. And, and a lot of these people are, are not people who have <clears throat> struggled with fertility issues or loss in the path, just simply not knowing where to begin when you first find yourself wanting to start to think about having a baby so marissa i'm so excited for this conversation but before we dive in can you give us a little behind the scenes of who we're talking about today outside of the formal corporate uh marissa mccormick
1: Yes. Well, and first of all, I'm super excited to talk about this important topic. It's not talked about enough. And I'm also really excited to hear people are asking questions because a lot of times we don't think about preconception nutrition or health before getting pregnant. It's normally oh, there's that positive pregnancy test. Now let's dive in when actually the research suggests we want to start thinking about it beforehand. So really excited to dive into this topic today, but beforehand a little bit about me. So I'm Marissa McCormick. I'm a registered dietitian. I have a master's degree in nutrition science. I'm a full-time working mama. I have two little toddlers at home, so I am busy, but I love it. Uh, And I have a a side hobby, a side hustle through my Instagram online platform. I have a website where I share a lot of information on preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum nutrition, a little bit of infant feeding in there as well. And I share a lot of my day-to-day life and expertise over at my Instagram handle, Nutrition for Moms. So really excited to be talking to you today and hope your audience and listeners just love the show.
0: Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they already pick up on like how good and synergistic our energy is. So I'm, I'm sure this episode is going to be just amazing. Okay, so let's talk about what do we do beforehand, right? A, a lot of people, I think you nailed it. We we wake up and we're like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. Now what? But for most people, we should be thinking about it beforehand. But for the people who are thinking about it beforehand, what are the very basics that we need to know? Like, where do we even start? We're we are we're kind of standing here at this crossroads of, okay, I'm ready to get pregnant, now what?
1: Yeah, good question. And I have to caveat that with that, not everyone has the luxury of planning, right? Like right. sometimes you wake up and it's just, oh, this is happening. So, but, you know, for the majority of people who are really thinking about it, one of the first ways I recommend preparing for pregnancy is to assess your current health status so that you can better understand your potential for pregnancy. A lot of times we're trying to avoid pregnancy our entire life. And by the time we actually start trying to get pregnant, it's not always as simple or as easy or as straightforward as we once thought. And so the earlier you can understand your current health status, the better you're going to kind of set yourself up. So a couple ways that you can assess your I like to call it preconception health status, is schedule that annual checkup. Most women have an annual checkup with their OB or a midwife or their healthcare provider once a year. Um, So you don't have to wait until that year. You can schedule that anytime, or you can schedule one at the six-month mark, whatever works for you, but schedule a checkup and get in to talk to a healthcare provider. During this checkup, Talk to them about things like your current birth control situation, what you're gonna be doing about getting on or off of something, right? I also recommend asking for routine blood work. This is one that is not commonly done uh, your annual routines. So when you ask for that routine blood work, a lot of times people are asking me, like, "Well, well, what do I ask for? And you don't have to go and get this full long blood work of. You know, blood panel, some simple blood work can tell you a lot of information. So I recommend even like a CBC or a complete blood cell count just to get a sense of your iron status, kind of your immune status. The other big one is blood glucose or your blood sugar. And you can do this fasting or you can have a hemoglobin A1C um, blood looked at. And this is really going to give you a sense of your blood sugar status and whether you're pre-diabetic, type two diabetic, or completely normal. The reason that is so important is that, a lot of women have heard of this, during that third trimester of your pregnancy, you'll be screened for gestational diabetes. And the differentiator between gestational diabetes and pre-existing diabetes is to know your status ahead of time. Because if you test positive for gestational diabetes in your third trimester, you might not know if you've had high blood sugar all throughout your pregnancy or if it's truly gestational diabetes, which is really brought on by the hormones and its first onset is during pregnancy. It's a little complicated. I hope that makes sense, but we're really kind of getting some of that blood work done early on. Depending on your doctor or who you're working with, they might also want to check your thyroid hormones, your vitamin D status. Uh, Those are kind of some of the major ones. Have you heard he have you heard any of any of those kind of or do you ever recommend that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a CBC, um, I, I definitely recommend getting the the blood work done. What I particularly love to look at is more on the hormonal side. So okay. I am very privy to suggest getting a, a Dutch hormone test and working with a practitioner that can administer that and then also read it for us and then give us the rundown. And And I'm able to take that Dutch test and then kind of help people customize a plan to to conceive that way. Um, I have never heard of anybody and never been suggested to me either to test for your blood glucose. And that's fascinating to me. It also makes me wonder too, Marissa, If your blood glucose, let's say you didn't have the healthiest eating habits and um, I may or may not be talking about myself. So if, if I go hours without eating and I'm actually causing spikes or dips in my own blood pressure, would it be possible for me to pick up on this in blood work and then remedy that before we actually started to try to conceive? And that way it may cut down on my risk of being predisposed. To gestational diabetes
1: yeah yeah in in a sense so <laughs> the scary news is when you look at the general population there's a lot of americans that have pre-diabetes that's undiagnosed so a lot that's of times enough. that's yeah it's 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 scary um the numbers um with with diabetes and pre-diabetes so kind of having that just regular blood work checked up annually is a really smart thing. And, you know, a lot of times it's the eye opener for people to kind of get their nutrition in check right before they go into pregnancy. So that's another reason I recommend it is know your baseline numbers, know where you're at, and really get a sense of what might need to change as you enter pregnancy.
0: And why do you suppose so many Americans are walking around with undiagnosed pre-diabetes numbers? What would cause that? Our diet and exercise, just our lifestyle?
1: Yeah, so diabetes is multifaceted. There's a lot of factors going to play, but Overweight or obesity causes inflammation in the body and hormone dysregulation, which can kind of lead to diabetes. Um, diet plays a factor, certainly. Genetics, another reason. Just our environment today—we're more sedentary. We're eating, you know, high, higher fat, higher sugar foods, and we're constantly eating. So there's a lot of different factors that can play into it, but it's unfortunately not all that uncommon. Sure.
0: Okay. So beyond getting that current health status check, what else should we be doing before, you know, we actually maybe start trying to conceive, you know, what else can we do to
1: lay the foundation? Yeah. So just to continue on with the conversation at your checkup with your doctor that you might be having, um, discuss any current medications or supplements you might be taking. There are certain supplements and we're not going to get into super details on them, but, um, whether it's herbs or adaptogens or high doses of certain vitamins, you'll want to make sure your doctor is clear on what those are so they can help you um, adapt if needed, and certainly any, any medications you're taking. Um, I know there are certain medications like Accutane that you do not want to take during pregnancy, um, or any thyroid medications you might be taking. So just be, be sure you have that discussion with your, your healthcare provider. Um, and I, I recommend bringing your partner to that meeting, even for that checkup. I mean, bring them along the journey as well, if, if possible. Um, I know most of us are not traveling right now, but Typically, you know, kind of pre-COVID era travel was another big one because certain things like Zika virus um, was something to, to watch out for. So, you know, just have that conversation. I don't want to freak people out or scare people, but it's just something to be mindful of that a lot of times we don't think about as we're entering pregnancy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I love how you talk about bring your partner what about our partners? Are there things that they need to be doing as well for, you know, to, to be preparing
1: for conception as well? Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to get into that because a lot of times so much falls on the woman and it's from day one, it's from preconception all the way through pregnancy and even early postpartum, if, especially if you choose to be a breastfeeding mom, so much falls on the woman, but there's actually a lot of research that shows males diet and their level of activity and overall lifestyle can affect the quality of their sperm and then even longer term into the, the health of the child. So nutrition is important for both partners early on from day one. And so I'll talk a little bit more on sort of what they can do as well. But the other way I recommend preparing for pregnancy, and this is probably a more common one, is, t- is to take a high quality prenatal supplement roughly three, maybe six months prior to ideal conception. This is really just going to help that ensure your body has adequate nutrients for pregnancy. And so, you know, a lot of questions come up, well, what's your favorite prenatal or what should I be looking for in a prenatal? And the big one, which you're probably familiar with is folate. Folate's the big one that we want to make sure we have adequate amounts of pre-pregnancy. And Sure, you can certainly get folate from food, but a lot of times this is one that many of us just recommend supplementing with prior to conceiving. And you'll also, when it comes to kind of looking for a quality supplement, you'll want to look for a supplement that has the active form of folate, which is like a methylated form. And It'll typically say folate in some version on the label versus folic acid. Now, A lot of our food is fortified with folic acid, and there's reasons behind that as well. So most likely people are meeting their needs, but good to check on. A couple other key nutrients that are going to be either important to have in your diet or have on a prenatal supplement are choline, iron. And the thing with iron too is iron can be constipating if we have too much of it. So again, it is, whether you're working with a doula or a midwife or a healthcare provider or a dietitian, um, if you're experiencing constipation, there are some of some workarounds with this. Whether it's taking iron separately from your prenatal, whether it's taking a, a glycinate form of it, um, can be less constipating. There, the other. There's three more that I like to focus on too. Some of them are no brainers, vitamin D. We all hear about vitamin D all the time. If you're not getting adequate sunlight or, or not drinking fortified you know, milk or dairy products with vitamin D, it's another one to supplement with. And then DHA, um, it's an omega-3 fat, which maybe on the East Coast where you are, you get more fish in your diet than me here in the Midwest, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm not a big fish eater so I actually do still to this day um, take a DHA and that can be a good one that's taken either separately than your prenatal or taken you can find some prenatals that have it in there, I know a lot of people are like I don't want to be taking like five pills a day so. Um, And then the last one, which is more important during pregnancy but doesn't hurt to take early on is iodine and especially if we're not eating a lot of like salty foods or getting iodized salt, um, iodine, and a lot of prenatals don't have iodine on them. So just again, read the label. I wouldn't say you need to supplement separately if your prenatal doesn't have it, but just another good one to keep an eye on, especially once you do become pregnant.
0: So I feel the need to, to, to remind everybody, you know, to keep your head on your shoulders straight that, you know, Marissa is a registered dietitian, but she's not your registered dietitian. Um, and now that we're talking about specific supplements, I just want to remind everybody that before you put anything into your diet or, or in your, your rotation, make sure that you are talking to a provider that's working with you individually, you know, one-on-one, but Marissa, can you explain to us the importance of DHA and iodine when it comes to pregnancy? Why do we need those?
1: Yeah, yeah. Good question. And, you know, again, thank you for that reminder, because it does make you bring up a good point that these are general recommendations here for the typically just average healthy woman, right? And that's also why I recommend the blood work first, because now you'll have, you'll be able to get some more personalized, tailored nutrition information. Like I said, this is just really general information, not meant to replace medical advice. And these opinions are yes, based on my expertise, but again, you know, my opinion on what I think is the most important. Um, and back to your question about DHA and iodine, it's really important for, for brain development and growth of a baby. So Cool. Okay. a lot a lot of there a lot of a lot of nutrients to keep track of there
0: there is a lot of nutrients but i think when people understand why we're taking what we're taking it makes it a lot easier to reconcile with the idea that you're taking 16 pills every single day for 9 to 10 months you know and then some thereafter in postpartum uh, it can it can feel really overwhelming but i think if if we understand the reason behind it it makes it a little bit easier. Um, okay. So we talked about supplements for, for the person who's going to be carrying the gestational parent. What about supplements for partners for, you know, male partners who are probably preparing to try and conceive as well. Any supplement recommendations, kind of general recommendations there?
1: Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'll be, totally frank here. I'm less familiar with the data, the deep data, the recent data kind of on the male side of this. What I know though is similar to the woman's diet. You're going to want to supplement with just some sort of even multivitamin or just making sure you're, you're at your nutrient status is adequate. A lot of us, let's be honest, do not have a perfect diet. And <laughs> especially some guys I know too, um, you know, that's just, we're, it's not top of mind, especially kind of in the world we're living right now. So I'd like to think of supplements as a supplement. They're not meant to replace a nutritious, well-balanced diet, but they can help fill in any of those nutrient gaps. So talk to your partner about taking even just a standard multivitamin right now. The other one that I have seen some research on is antioxidants. And this is actually more for for male sperm. Um, So antioxidants are just going to be things even like vitamin C or vitamin E, um, which will be typically in a multivitamin, but also in fruits and vegetables. So, and we'll get a little bit further into specific foods shortly here, but there's not like a magic bullet or a magic nutrient that's different between males and females. It's again, really kind of finding a good quality multivitamin.
0: Sure. That supports your overall health. And would you suggest that male partners also go for blood work to just kind of get the lowdown on, on what's going on currently to see if there's anything we need to tweak before we try and conceive?
1: Absolutely. And this, you know, and this is even true before conception, but really just for general health. Um, I think it's really smart to have your blood glucose, a CBC, even a lipid profile. So what's your cholesterol levels look like going into, into pregnancy. So please, if you're not already men doing this on an annual basis, um, I would recommend just some general blood work as well.
0: Totally. Okay. So, let's dive into the nutrition part. What should we be eating? What should we be avoiding? I know a lot of people on their mind are like, Marissa, are you going to take away my coffee? Are you going to take away my wine at the end of the night? Are you going to take away my coffee at the end of a long, I mean, my chocolate. Uh, that was my fear too. You.
1: you
0: know, what are, what are we looking at? Coffee, chocolate, wine. Can we still have those things? What should we be adding dive into it. Let us know.
1: Yes. So I'll come back to the coffee and wine in a second. I'm going to first focus on, I'm doing air quotes right now. I know you can't see me, but what people like to call fertility foods, or I call them fertility friendly foods. So like I mentioned, there is no magic bullet. There is no one super food when it comes to preconception. But surprisingly, when I did look into the research on this, there are foods that can help support fertility, which is why we like to call them the fertility friendly foods. So here are some of the foods that are linked more towards um, healthy fertility. One being salmon, that fatty fish, probably because of the DHA in it, but, um, I think salmon is a good one. So fish eaters that like salmon, I would recommend including salmon or fish in your diet two to three times a week. You're going to want to keep it on the lower side of the mercury though, low mercury fish. So salmon, shrimp, scallops. Um, the other thing is the, and I mentioned this a little bit on the male side too, but berries and antioxidants. So making sure you're getting in a lot of antioxidant rich foods. So strawberries, blueberries, apples, bananas, broccoli, kind of the fruits and vegetables that are pretty common. Um, just making sure you're getting a lot of those in. And then the other one here is, you know, getting a lot of fiber. So whole grains are a good source of fiber in most cases, beans. So fiber can really help help with elimination so digestion elimination but that's also one of your body's biggest detoxifiers is your digestive tract so you know making sure that our body is kind of air quotes again detoxing itself naturally kind of that's also how it gets rid of excess hormones and kind of all the balance there so supporting fertility um, another one here this was interesting when I looked into the data is plant proteins So a lot of us, when we think of protein foods, we're thinking of animal products, right? We're thinking chicken, beef, animal products. Um, But some of the data shows that actually replacing even one serving a day of animal-based product with plant proteins. So plant proteins could be soy, tofu, tempeh, beans, um, you know, more, I'm trying, hemp, that was the word I was thinking of. (laughs) hemp proteins, um, including a serving of plant proteins a day can be helpful. And then the last one, another interesting one is full fat dairy. And I know some people can't tolerate dairy and there's plenty of other, you know, dairy alternatives, but replacing a serving of non-fat dairy with actually full fat dairy a day not necessarily all the dairy you're eating has to be full fat but even if one serving a day is full fat there is some positive research around that link to fertility and again it it's likely due to the fat and fats related to hormone production so i can see that connection there now back to your question now around all the good stuff the coffee the wine the chocolate Here is, this one's a little bit harder to delineate the true facts, but the majority of research is sort of suggesting there's not a super strong link to alcohol and caffeine related to fertility. So that's the good news. The caveat there though, is that if you're trying to get pregnant, I personally would not recommend drinking a ton of coffee or having excessive alcohol. If you're gonna have your one to two cups a day of coffee, fine, I wouldn't change it, especially if that's your mojo and that is your thing. And same with alcohol in the alcohol end. If it's a glass of wine here and there, and that's kind of how you treat yourself or you wind down, I wouldn't say you need to change that. If it's easy for you to give it up, sure, let's err on the side of caution and just give it up because you never know when you're gonna have that pregnancy or positive pregnancy test. But if it's like really gonna overwhelm you, it's gonna stress you out, you're gonna be bummed about it. And then, you know, what happens if you do have that negative pregnancy test and you're all bummed you gave up your favorite foods. So do you see where I'm kind of getting at with finding the balance that's right for you? that
0: absolutely sense. so I think you do a beautiful job yeah. right here, pointing out that it's a balance with your mental health right so if you take yeah. away your coffee but then all day long you're so anxious and you don't get anything done or opposite your brain fog and get nothing done and then four days later you're feeling so overwhelmed because you realize you have a to-do list of 50 things and you've marked off four in four days that's not doing us any good drink the cup of coffee, and go about your day, which is also kind of what I suggest to to our clients. It's so nice to find other practitioners who kind of respect that balance and understand that it's not one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter, you know, recommendations to people who are trying to conceive. So it's really nice, too, to hear that coffee and wine haven't been strongly linked to any sort of fertility issues. Now, what about chocolate chocolate is one that I sometimes hear I don't hear it often but when I do hear it personally I can never understand why we would get rid of chocolate what's your what are your thoughts on chocolate and trying to conceive
1: yeah I would actually say include the chocolate yes. reason being is because cocoa is also an antioxidant which is important so yes I could probably go cherry pick a study out there that says, no, chocolate is linked to this, but the overall body of evidence does not suggest that. And in fact, if you're sticking with the dark chocolate, um, there's actually some good antioxidants in there. And the caffeine in chocolate is is really low, relatively speaking. So unless you're eating mass amounts of quantities, I wouldn't overthink it and I wouldn't worry about it. Um, I guess that does bring me to a good point though on One of the foods that we do wanna try and reduce when we're thinking about getting pregnant and sort of more in this fertility land is we want to reduce our intake of sugar, added sugar, I should say, um, red, like really pr- red and processed meats and kind of some, you know, trans fat, just the highly processed foods. It's not about complete elimination of them again, but again, if you're someone drinking like a, a liter of soda a day and washing it down with some cookies and crackers, we might want, want to reevaluate that, um, and kind of make sure we're subbing it.
0: Can you dive into trans fats really quickly? I know there are probably listeners out there because I just recently learned what a trans fat was. Um, Can you tell us exact examples of what trans fats might be so people can get an idea of what we want to reduce?
1: Yeah. So trans fat is really, I'm going to call it more of like a man-made industrial process that changes the form of the fat. Um, I can't say this for certain, but I believe it's banned now in most food products. So it's really not something to worry a ton about, but historically it used to be found in more of your baked goods, like those donuts and cookies. Um, And it's really been linked more to heart disease. So the American Heart Association and other organizations have always recommended eliminating it, um, which I think it actually has been eliminated now. So. I wouldn't worry too much about it unless you're eating massive amounts of donuts and baked goods.
0: I mean, donuts are, um, they're frequenter in my home. So I, I eat, I eat a fair amount of donuts, but they're not, I guess they're not processed donuts. We get them from this little gourmet shop here in Boston, which must be a little bit healthier, right? Uh
1: Possibly, it depends on what ingredients they're using, but I like it and I love donuts too. So let's let's not bash on donuts, right? Well, the
0: donuts slide. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: donut.
0: oh I love it. Okay, Marissa, um, we have covered all of my questions when it comes to supplements and nutrition and what we can and, and can't eat, what we need to stay away from and reduce, what our partners need to do. What else do you have for us when it comes to trying to conceive and and knowing how to take those first steps and where to go?
1: Yeah, good question. And I'll just remind people, you know, diet and nutrition is one piece of this overall puzzle. The other important thing is to monitor and reduce stress. This can be a stressful time for people. I, I get it, especially as you're thinking about as you're trying to conceive every month and you're like anxious and worried. So do your best to to practice, whether it's daily relaxation or meditation, continue to exercise, schedule time for self-care. This is really, you know, important to kind of manage your overall stress. And the other thing I would say is, if it makes you feel better, if things are not happening for you right away and getting pregnant right away on your timeline, you have to be your own advocate and push your doctors and your healthcare team for those tests for additional information. You know, a lot of times I've had friends that have been like, well, just give it a year and then we'll reassess all that. And I'm like, why would we wait a year if you really want a baby? Um, and I know, you know, personally, I I'm so grateful and so blessed with two babies myself, but I know this can be a, a hard time for many. So you're not alone, find your, find your tribe. Um, and just, hang in there if you're struggling.
0: Absolutely. You're so far from alone. And I share in the same sentiments about why would we wait a year when you want a baby now? Now there is a healthy balance of you might not be pregnant tomorrow and you might not get pregnant your first round, but you're right. If you are sure that you're tracking your period in the correct way, and you're sure of ovulation, and you're sure that you are having intercourse in the appropriate times in you know in accordance to your ovulation and you find 3 or 4 months down the road that you're still not pregnant i definitely think it's time to check in and advocate for yourself very strongly there are so many providers out there that will say the same thing you know wait wait a year and and then come back to me and and what i have found is that year is often you know so much damage is done in that year mentally because people are just constantly being beaten up by the failed expectations you know where we sorely underserved people who are trying to conceive so 100
1: yes it, it's the balance of it might not happen the first round or early you know those first couple of months but if it's you don't want to wait too long either so listen to your body listen you know what's right so
0: absolutely if you have a provider who is not in alignment with that you guys you know what Ooh. i say Find a different provider. There's somebody out there who will listen to you. There's somebody out there who will understand you and hear you that you don't want to wait a year, that you have a different timeline you would like to live your life on. Um, And so find a different provider, advocate for yourself and, and change providers. Oh my goodness. This episode has been so good. Marissa, thank you so much for joining me today. If someone wanted to work with you, if something that you said you know, really struck somebody or they were like, wow, she sounds like a practitioner that I have been looking for, how would somebody contact you, get connected with you, and then follow along um, with you on your, your IG?
1: Yes. Thank you. And this was yeah great conversation. So first and foremost, I love to hang out on Instagram. That's probably the easiest spot to find me and get to know a little bit more about me and what I, what I share. So I am over at nutrition for moms and that's the number four, and that's probably where you'll just get to know me the most. And from there, you can check out my website, marissamccormick.com. I have a host of educational information, blog posts. I dive deep into the science. I have a ton of just free resources resources and downloads on there. I even have a free webinar, five ways to prepare for pregnancy that anyone can download and sent right to your inbox. So that's that's where you can find me. Um, one last piece too, if anybody really wants to dive deep into prenatal nutrition, I just launched a online program called the Prenatal Nutrition Vault. And it's a really low cost way to get instant access to some short and sweet videos that I've created on some of the hottest prenatal nutrition questions. So that's on my website as well. But otherwise, yeah, I'm super excited to have met you and had this conversation today. So keep, keep doing all your great stuff too.
0: Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, and listeners, we will link all of that for you. We will link um, Marissa's IG and her webinar for you to get your hands on that. Um, and 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 all the resources, um, her, her website so that you can find all the educational resources. You guys, happy Tuesday. Thank you so much for hanging out with Marissa and I today for all of our Trying to Conceive community out there. We see you, we love you, we are you in a sense. Please, please, please feel safe in this community. Know that you can talk about these hard things. Know that you can ask the questions that you can't ask anywhere else. Know that you can come for advice that is not going to be biased or judgmental or condescending in any way this trying to conceive community is a safe space for you to truly walk this path of trying to have a baby and when you do get pregnant you're already in the best community on the internet and i fully truly do wholeheartedly believe that that the birth lounge is the best place on the internet if you are pregnant our community it just doesn't get better than that so marissa thank you so much for being here with us today Bye. hey friends before i let you go i wanted to let you know about a fun event coming up for all of our members of this community who are trying to conceive no matter where you are on your fertility journey i've got an amazing event for you The fertility rally this is being put on by my friends blair nelson founder of fab fertility and ali prado founder of infertile af and they've teamed up to create a one day event online to share a community the latest research and have all of your questions answered about your journey to parenthood take a listen to learn a little bit more
2: Hey everyone, it's Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally, and we wanted to tell you about an amazing event we're hosting on Saturday, April 17th. The event is called Fertility Rally Live, an all-day virtual celebration of the infertility community for anyone and everyone building their modern families and seeking empowerment, education, support, and community. Our speakers are some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the infertility community and beyond. Our morning keynotes are Mina Starciak-Hawk and Steve Hawk from HGTV's Good Bones. And our afternoon keynote is Jessica Zucker, PhD and author of the acclaimed memoir, I Had a Miscarriage. In addition to those two amazing keynotes, we're hosting a couple's panel, a female physician's panel, and 16 breakout sessions covering everything we could squeeze into one day, including surrogacy, IVF, pregnancy after infertility, male factor infertility, donor conception, embryo adoption, recurrent pregnancy loss, and so much more. There will also be tons of giveaways all day long from fertility-friendly and wellness brands. And of course, a happy hour with a very special guest, a VIP after party, and a virtual swag bag worth hundreds of dollars. If you or someone you know is navigating infertility, you will love our event. We are here to empower and educate you and have some fun along the way, of course. Tickets are on sale now at fertilityrally.com. Head over to our IG at Fertility Rally for even more info on speakers and tickets. We can't wait to rally with you.